Inoje knew that she was destined for a career in music. She blames her parents. She recalls her mom and dad putting a radio in her room as a very small child in order to keep her quiet. This she credits with allowing her to feel the magic of music, and thus her love affair began. Her childhood was also filled with singing and stories from her favorite musicals and plays. If ever she was naughty, and as a result was grounded, Inoje would use that time to write songs of her own. Although music was foremost in her mind, she postponed her dreams and heeded her parents' advice to pursue a plan B. She left her home in Wisconsin to attend university in Baltimore. Inoje was on her way to becoming an engineer. Although math and figuring things out is one of her passions, music continued to tug at her heartstrings. Yes, she was attending a great university, but she admits that she chose Baltimore because of its proximity to both New York City and Washington, D.C., two cities where she knew that her chances of pursuing music were higher. A chance assignment with a new roommate in her sophomore year would introduce her to a girl group which eventually led to her being signed to a major label in Atlanta. Inoje was now tasked with explaining to both of her parents why taking a shot at her dream was a better idea than engineering. When her group disbanded, she decided to become a songwriter. She was asked to sing a reference track for an upcoming compilation. When the producers heard her vocals, they refused to allow anyone else to sing the track. It was not Inoje's intention to become a solo artist. However, without full marketing or promotion, her track took off. Inoje, the solo artist, was born, complete with tours with the likes of InSync and the Backstreet Boys, and talk show appearances, including Regis and Kathy Lee. Inoje has had an awesome career to date, creating some of the most memorable dance tracks of our time. Inoje is not done, however. Her love of experimenting with new sounds, new producers, and writing about new experiences continues. This is the story, thus far, of Inoje. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. Today, I have with me the legendary, the incomparable Inoje. Welcome to Planet 30. Thank you, Chrisman. I'm so glad to be here with you, actually. <laughs> oh, man. This is one of those dreams come true. Like, I've been following your music for so long. And uh, when I got the email, I, I almost did a backflip. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked to see that, too. <laughs> Probably wouldn't have made it to the to the interview if that had happened. <laughs> but it would have probably been a viral video. Of course, of course. Because <laughs> that's the age we're in. <laughs> I know, right? TikTok worthy. There you go. <laughs> so tell me, what was it like, what was your childhood like growing up in Madison, Wisconsin? Ooh, let's see. Well, I was in Madison and then I was in Milwaukee. 
So my childhood was like, hmm, you mean musically or just like, what did I do for fun? Well, I mean, yeah, musically and for fun. Well, I'm still kind of a child. (laughs) (laughs) I still have the same type of fun that I did then. I created a lot of music. I just love to sing. I play piano. I didn't play harp until I got to middle school. That was my second instrument. Um, But I've been writing since I was like seven years old. So that was a lot of my childhood. People know me for always singing. Like I was always singing something. And I'm sure it got on people's nerves, but I really enjoyed it. So, <laughs> yeah. Now you you have you have quite the unique name. I know Jay, and yeah. um, I know I know the meaning of it. But can you explain to the audience the meaning of it? Okay, so my birth name is Ayana, and my nickname is Yanni. So, um, pretty much when I know Jay came to be born, I was not ready to be an artist. But, oh, I guess I need to tell you that I spell Yanni, J-O-N-I. Mm-hmm. And just because I, I, I like to be fancy, I guess. But I just thought it was a cool way to spell Yanni. My cousin's name is Jan, J-A-N, so I knew that it was possible. So I was like, I'm going to spell Yanni, J-O-N-I. Well, I was in a singing group, and the singing group kind of split up, and I was kind of going on my own, and I decided... I'm not going to be an artist. I'm just writing songs. You know, mm-hmm. I was I was probably in my feelings a little bit about the group not staying together. So you know that happened. So um, I started writing with this guy based on one of the introductions from one of the girls in the group, and he was a producer. So we started writing together and whatnot. And he asked me to demo a song for him as a favor, and the song was "Love Me Down." Oh, it was wow. another girl that was supposed to actually do the song, but I was demoing it. So little John Smith, he was the A and R at Social Death at the time, and he asked Charles to see if I would record the song. He was like, "Ask her, she'll do it." He was like, "She doesn't want to be an artist right now." He was like, "Tell her this is what we're gonna pay her if she decides to do it," and it was pretty good. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll do it." <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like. Well, I know you don't want to be an artist. Do you want to change your name to something? And I said, hmm, I'll change it. I'll just reverse my name and put my name backwards. So instead of J-O-N-I, I'll just do I-N-O-J. And he was like, what is that, i nod? And I was like, or I-N-O-J. I was like, okay, I like it. And that's how it happened. So <laughs> hey, Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it happened because it was necessary. <laughs> and, and, and admittedly, I mean, I when I first saw it, you know, way back when, I, I, I too said, oh, I, I listen to a lot of Inaja's music. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been called Inoja, <laughs> I-N-O-J, I-N-O-J, and really, you can say whatever you want, because we all made it up at the same time, so. <laughs> but, but you know, it works because you are the only I-N-O-J on the internet. Really? As far as I see. <laughs> well, no, there's been a couple that... That like sprouted up after because I N O J can also mean in the name of Jesus. Oh. So there, I've, I've seen a couple. I don't know if they're titling their name that or if that's the title of the record or a CD or whatever. Do people but, think? Yeah, do, pe- do people think you're a gospel artist? Then I have heard that. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> 
going back a little bit into your, um, you mentioned your childhood and, and that you used to write, etc. I got a quote from you. You said you sing according to the way you were raised. Yeah. What was 10-year-old <laughs> I Know Jay listening to? Old I know Jay might have been listening to some kind of play, probably The Wiz, Annie. I loved plays, I loved musicals and stuff like that. Mm. As far as music, I listen to whatever my mom listened to, so that's going to be a lot of Earth, Wind, and Fire, mm, Minnie Ripperton, mm-hmm. uh, which I loved her. Um, trying to think there's so many people I was influenced by but you said the music I was raised on I think that quote came because I listened to a lot of soft rock music being in Wisconsin uh-huh. like Chicago um if you need Chicago's me one now. of my favorite group yeah, that's one of my favorite songs oh man one of mine too <laughs> yeah I, but I love all of those groups like that I listen to Air Supply oh <laughs> so all of those songs and all of those groups, that that's how I grew up, and I listened to that music. So I didn't have a like a Southern Baptist church type of upbringing with my music. I listened to a lot of pop music. Mm, so. Very interesting. I mean, DeBarge is one of my favorite groups of all time, so I have to slip them in there. But I listened to so many different types of music. So whatever really stuck with me, the music that I like to write were the ones or the ones I really listened to a lot of were the ones that moved me. Like Huey Lewis in the News is another one. Mm. He had some really good harmonies and I was like, Oh, I love I like the way it feels in my stomach and in my chest. So I wanted to do music that made me feel like that, thinking that somebody else would feel like that about my music, you know? Indeed. And and we do, and we do. It's it's still inconceivable to me. I understand I've been in this industry for a, a long time but I, I just don't see myself as like chatting myself you know I just feel like the regular old person and I was like oh you like this song I'm, most of the time I'm surprised <laughs> don't be don't be <laughs> so tell and me I'm glad. what was the uh, what was the dream was it always music did you always know that you wanted always. to be music okay okay always so there was no plan B. I don't know um, well I have multiple passions but that was that was the first thing that I I knew that I wanted to be that I saw myself being you know um, like I said I went to a lot of plays my mom is a thespian she likes to go to plays so I've seen a lot of productions and I was just my eyes were like I want to do that I want to get on the stage and I want to sing I didn't know in what capacity it would happen but I knew that that was a part of my destiny. So everything I did after I, I realized that, it was probably around age six or seven when I really knew it. Mm. I started singing a lot earlier, but I knew that it was going to be a part of who I was at that age. Rand- random question. I got to throw this in. What's your favorite song from Annie? Besides the song will come out tomorrow, it would probably be Maybe. Mm-hmm. Good because to- it's so pretty. Just think of how it goes to that little minor. It's just really nice. I like um, yeah. I like a couple. Never fully dressed without a smile. Oh, that's that's nice too. Rover is the name of the dumb looking dog. That I can't remember the name of the dumb song. Dog, dumb why dog. Dumb dog. 
Sandy. 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 I'm sorry, Sandy. Sandy. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, I, yeah, so the, the again, the melodies. The, the, I mean, hats off to the composers of back from back in the day, boy. Right. <laughs> I, but I really thought that I could be that character it's like all of those different things like when i was in high school i was audrey and little shop of horror still a shop of horror okay yeah because i could sing with a lisp really good and stuff like that i just oh man i'm just so into it i'm still into it so when you ask what i did as a child i still do that same stuff mm-hmm. and I, I do voice acting now so i get a chance to do those voices that i practiced when i was on punishment you know all of that stuff <laughs> Are you are you an only child by chance? No, okay. I'm not an only child. I'm I have a, a younger brother, and then I have some some older adopted sisters. Actually, one is Bayesian and one's Jamaican. Okay, and they lived with us growing up, so had a lot of Caribbean influence there. Interesting. From them too, so I would imitate them. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did get in trouble a lot because I. I I tend to talk a lot, and I always had to have the last word, so that got me in a lot of trouble. But mm. I was grounded, and I used it to to write music, and I created a studio when I was grounded. I did a lot of really cool stuff on Punishment. <laughs> <laughs> Punishment brought out your genius. It did. <laughs> <laughs> So tell it's me. Funny t- to say that now. <laughs> tell tell me about Spellbound. You mentioned them a little earlier. Oh, Spellbound. So that wasn't the name of the group that broke up. So oh, Spellbound. Okay, I'm gonna shout them out because Spellbound. They're gonna be happy. I mentioned them. Um. So I went to Morgan State, and um, my roommate. I had first of all, I had this roommate that was um. She wasn't really a good roommate for me. I'm just going to glaze over this a little bit. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have met my other roommate. But she had this rabbit in our dorm. She was keeping a rabbit there and she was not taking care of him. She had unlocked it in the closet and I was so upset about this rabbit being sick and possibly dying in our room. I had to call the RA and the director and then they were like, okay, she's going to move out the room. So I was like, thank goodness. And I was like, maybe I'll get my own room. And this girl shows up, and she's perfect. And we hit it off right away. So we go to this, um, we're just talking back and forth in our beds. And she said, yeah, I just finished recording a house record. I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to record songs, too. And she was like, yeah, I'm doing this and that. And we just had so much in common. She said, I'm going to an audition tomorrow. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, yeah. Now, I think we were both probably... 18 at the time so um we go to this audition we're probably the youngest ones in the room we could have been even 17 but we're all just sitting there and um I came with her so I didn't want to like you know overstep in her audition so I was just there for support so everybody goes around the room and they're singing and then it comes to me I'm the last one he was like are you gonna sing i was like no this is her audition he was like do you sing i was like yeah he was like we'll sing something and i was like okay i think i'll probably sing something by michelle or something mm-hmm. um something in my heart because <laughs> i could always get people with the high note so um yeah he was like oh perfect you guys are both in the play and we were like oh yeah we're so excited well the play didn't make it 
But there was this one girl in the group, and she was probably, like, in her mid to late 20s. And she said, you guys will be perfect for this singing group that I have. So she puts us in the singing group. It was us. And then the other girls were, I think, like 24, 26, and 27. Wow. And they were putting together this group. So that was spellbound. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys end up recording anything? or? Well, the, the, the girl that invited us to the group, she wasn't the best singer. So once they brought, once she brought us to the other girls in the group, they got rid of her. Oh no! And they were like, "We're going to be a four girl group." And we knew she had a gun. We were like, "We're not <laughs> <laughs> this group, you know, if it's going to get violent because <laughs> we're teenagers." But long story short, that group morphed from the five to the four, to the three to the four. To the four again. It just had so many changes, and and it went from spellbound to special to when we got we got a record deal with Dallas Austin, um, and then that group was called Fat P H A T, like Fat Beats, Fat Music, right. Guys, all of that. I hated that name, but um, <laughs> that was our first record deal when we were signed with um, Arista through um, Dallas Austin's label. Mm-hmm. So. That group, it went from so many different changes, and I was in the group from the beginning, and I was in the group to the end. Wow. And the group left me, so that's why I was <laughs> in my feelings. I was, I was just holding on to that group, and I think the universe was trying to, to, to open another door, and I was like, no, I want to stay in the group, because I really love them. It's, not, it's so unique, because usually people are trying to get away from the group. Yeah, I'm not that girl. <laughs> <laughs> So, is this Dallas? This is Dallas Austin post TLC. This was during. I was down there when TLC was recording Creep, the second album, Boys to Men's album. Um, like you name it, anybody that was down during that time, I was in that camp. I left school to be a part of that situation. Okay, so what was what was your major while you were at uh, Morgan State? Civil engineering. You were going to be an engineer. Interesting. Yeah, I'm kind of nerdy, you know, and I still do. I still do nerdy things, but I didn't want to be an engineer. I was, I was a, I was kind of pushed in that direction. That was, that was the please, mom. Because of my grades and my parents, I thought they'd be happy with it. But yeah. So, so. (laughs) I just finished though. I, I do have a degree though. No, no. Okay, so okay, so you did. I did go you, back and finish. I okay, did go back and finish. okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, well, initially, what was uh, what was your parents' reaction when you said, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna uh, put down this whole Morgan State thing and and go to Atlanta." <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you mean the disappointment part, that part, or <laughs> after the disappointment? Well, the reaction part. <laughs> Well, I was selling this thing, but my parents both, they both knew. And my parents, they're not together, so this is two different conversations. So I had to do it twice. Pressure. Yes, exactly. But I will say, I felt like they were more supportive than I planned for them to be. Because they know that I have been wanting to do this. I've been singing since I was in the crib. And it's their fault, really. Because they got tired of me staying up at night and they put a radio in my bedroom. And they put it on some station, and and that kind of shut me up, so I wouldn't bother them, perhaps. 
So it's their fault that I have this love <laughs> for music. So I think they did pretty well. Um, they were like, well, you just got to finish school. And, you know, of course, they were like, well, you need to have a plan B. But I went to Morgan State specifically because I knew I could get close to New York. D.C. Uh. Yeah, I had a plan. You could have come to Howard, but you know. <laughs> I was thinking how. Well, I think I graduated from high school kind of early, so I think that might have changed me going to Howard to Morgan because I did get into Howard, Hampton, Morgan State. I'm trying to think where else I applied. I definitely knew I needed to go to H. Um, I was going to ask you that because you just named a bunch of HBCUs. Well, why was that important to you? Because I I was like the only brown melanated person in my school, like in first grade. And then when I got into higher grades in elementary school, or I, I went to a Catholic school, there wasn't a lot of brown representation. So I did not have an accent that was acceptable to people of color. And I knew I needed to have some more diverse experiences in my life so I could, you know, move through life without being, you know, pushed away. And because I did get pushed away a lot because I, of my accents mm. or my dialects. So now I, I feel like I have some seasonings in my tongue, you know. <laughs> but back in the day, no, I was a valley girl. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So it, I knew that I needed to go to a historically black college and university. So that was, I mean, I was, I could have stayed and went to Marquette. I had a full ride to Marquette University. I would have come out with no student loans. (laughs) 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 Probably kept my, but in Wisconsin. But I think I made the right choice because I had so many awesome experiences from, from being around people that really embraced me. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I will tell you, <laughs> my freshman year, uh, before I got the roommate, because um, that was my sophomore year when I got the um, the other roommate that sang with me. My freshman year, there was another roommate there, and I had this white guy, this picture on the wall, and I mean, I liked him; he was cute, <laughs> so I hung him on the wall. When I came back into my dorm, <laughs> the poster was down. Ooh. And I was like, oh my God, what happened to my poster? And I was freaking out in a Valley Girl way. And the guys that were in the room with my roommate, they were like, you're at a black school now. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I was crying. <laughs> Called my mom, oh my God, they took down with my poster. <laughs> <laughs> I never got that poster back either, by the way. But it's all good. <laughs> was it an actor? Yeah, it was an actor from a soap opera, Brian Bloom. Oh, very ninety, very (laughs) ninety. So now you're in Atlanta after Morgan. You're signed. Well, the the group abandons you. (laughs) Well, yeah, we had the group while we were here signed. We were all good, but then, you know. Everybody's like gun ho, like oh we're signed, we're doing this, and the label we had we had a really fire album too, and um, with some really dope producers, Tim and Bob, um, Arnold Hennings, of course Dallas, Xavier Hardgrove, um, Diamond D was on the record. I mean, we were in the midst of like the greatest time in Atlanta, 
and that was uh, 94, yeah, it was 94-95. So we're talking, we're talking Usher, we're talking the beginning of the Dungeon Family, we're talking... Monica. Monica, wow. I used to pick Monica up from middle school, yeah, because we were on the same label. Like, I met Madonna, Dennis Rodman, like, you name it, everybody that Dallas worked with came to the studio, Lauren Hill... Why I cuffed on it was it was the best time to be in Atlanta. I'm so glad that I was able to do that um, because that it was awesome. Freaknik, it was cool. Freak everything. <laughs> she said Freaknik. <laughs> I wasn't old enough to experience the full fullness of the Freaknik. Right. But, um, but I oh, I did have some fun. So yeah. <laughs> well, you know, living in the Caribbean at the time, I. I would hear about this thing from people that would return from uh, college in the States and like, you know, you're like, bro, when you go to college, <laughs> but I think by the time, yes. I, by the time I went to college, um, uh, it was over. Like they had, they had kind of, yeah. they had stopped it. They kind of shut it down a little bit. I mean, I saw a little baby alligator on a leash. I mean, you saw some of the most crazy, thing. it was almost like pride a little bit. Tell you the truth. Mm. It was way cooler. <laughs> you had like all the, the cars in the street pride, you know, you just kind of walk and it's like a parade and stuff. But it was just that type of energy of everybody being out and just, it was awesome. I loved it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Atlanta in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we transition from that to... Your, I know Jay. I know Jay. Your first record coming okay. out. Okay, so our record was supposed to come out. It was supposed to come out before Monica's, but I guess they knew exactly where they were going with Monica. She was a solo artist, and then they were like, "Well, we need to do some some more artist development with them." And then slowly but surely, one of the girls was like, "No, I'm gonna go on and do something else." And another one was like, "No, I'm gonna do something else." And I was just like. No, but let's let's keep it together. And people were, you know, getting in relationships. Their their lives were changing and stuff like that. So I started teaching school. Mm. And yeah, so I was teaching top math and music. And I was just like, I'm not going to focus on music in the same way. Like I told you, I wasn't going to be an artist. So I was just writing songs. So after after I got out of school, <laughs> I would write or I go to the studio and, you know, I just do that whole cycle over and over again. So who, who, you, who about, were you writing for at the time? I was writing. I was, wasn't writing for anybody, per se. I was writing with this producer. Now, Charles is the producer that did Time After Time and Love Jam. Uh. Now, Charles, he's Charles the Mixologist and he was a, a radio DJ on um, 95.5, mm-hmm. not, not 95.5, yeah, PGC, WPGC. In D.C. In D.C. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, I would just go right with him. He was like, I got this remix. So the first thing that he had me on, ironically, was an Aretha Franklin project. He was like, will you do some background vocals on this remix? I was like, oh, for real? On Aretha Franklin? So I'm singing background vocals with Trina Bouchard on Here We Go Again. And I was that was like my first credit. I think they credited it with I Know Jay. Yeah. So that was like my first real credit. Before I Know Jay was released, that project came out. And I had background vocals on that. So my boo, 
can't remember if my boo was out before then or after that time. As in go, go, I, Ghost Town DJs? Yeah, Ghost Town DJs. Charles was like, hey, you know that song, um, My Boo? Or do you know bass music? And I was like, yeah, I heard it. And he was like, can you write stuff like that? I was like, it sounds like a song over a fast beat. And he was <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. So I was like, well, I can try. So I wrote this song, um, like, it was called Baby, I'll Do like something um what you want i can't remember the all the lyrics to it but that's the song i wrote first and little john liked the song because he was like we need songs for this social death base all-stars volume two and i was like all right well i sent that song and i think i sent another song called cutie pie but he was like i like her voice and that's when he said ask her if she'll demo this song for me so that's when i demoed the song and I remember this conversation. I was like, that would be funny if they wanted me to actually do it. And I just kind of made a joke about it because I wasn't planning on releasing any music. And then I was in school teaching. And I told you I, I, I agreed to do the song. Little John came up and I recorded it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Little John said, don't worry. It won't be a single. So you won't have to worry about that. We're not going to release it as a single. It's just going to be on the project. I was like, cool, cool, perfect. So Karina's song was coming out and Lil John was like, hey, the CD's out in stores and I'm a type of person that I don't believe it's happening until I actually see it. You gotta touch it. So <laughs> I went to Circuit City. Circuit City, boy. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I flipped it over. I was like, oh my God, it happened. It happened just like he said it was gonna happen. I couldn't even believe it. So I was just at at school, I didn't really tell a lot of people what I was doing there, you know, like any of the other teachers. I was just kind of laying low. And then about the last week of school, I get a call from Charles. He's like, yo, they want you to come to Atlanta to film a video. I was like, a video for what? He was like, your song. I was like, what song? He was like, love you down. It's blowing up. I was like, what? I thought it wasn't going to be a single. He was like, it's not. The DJs are playing it. Your song is blowing up. You need to go to Atlanta and you're performing in um, Toronto um, before you do the video. I was like, what? Yeah, I got a show. I don't know how to perform. I don't know what I'm doing. He was like, are you going to go? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. He hit you with that Kevin Hart. You're going to learn today. <laughs> yep. You're right. I had to figure it out. And um, I'm glad I did. Like I said, if, if, if God opens a door for you, you walk through. You better walk you know, through. He'll equip you with, like, all the, the necessary tools or things that you need, you know, to, to bring the vision to pass, you know. So I'm glad I did because it was one of the best decisions I made. Even though the house kind of fell up on me, like, in The Wizard of Oz, <laughs> 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 I, I just made, I made it work. So, yeah. I went viral before viral happened. I tell, I tell people that all the time. I was like, I think I was the first viral person. Indeed. Wow. What a what a story. What a story. Yeah. What was the um in your opinion? What was the best thing about music in the nineties, just as a whole? Man, you know what I liked about the music in the nineties? There was so much diversity in sound. Everybody had. It was like when. Teddy Riley came out with the New Jack sound. New, or New Jack, Jack swing. swing. There was so many other new sounds coming out and people just being hella creative. 
a lot of the music today, even though I like it, sometimes I can't tell who I'm listening to because a lot of people kind of have, it's like a homogenized sound. Preach. But back in the 90s, man. Woo. You knew who that was. Yeah, people like, oh my God, I love such and such. And we couldn't Shazam it, so... We had to look it up. We had to buy the record. We had to buy the CD, look at the credits, see who wrote it. We had to, we had to wait on the magazine to see what they look like. Exactly. <laughs> you had to do that. And that's that's what I think that we lost at the end. Because Napster and everything happened the end of the 90s. Mm-hmm. So that was opening CD envelopes and looking at them. That, that was over then. You know that feeling of laying on your stomach and just looking at it while you listen to the music playing and then get the back cramp and be like, oh, I got to sit up because I've been laying down here reading yep. credits for hours. And arguing with your friends over the lyrics and say, look, exactly. tomorrow, like, oh, I know. Yeah. tomorrow I'm going to bring the jacket of the CD to show you <laughs> that what he's saying is. <laughs> exactly. It was a total vibe. And we were all so connected to like, the artist so much. We just... The art, we didn't have access to them, so it made it really special. Too. Right, right. It was a moment. If you yeah, ever, if you moment. saw someone, if you like, every time you saw them on, t- and I was, <laughs> I remember, I remember in the early two thousands, right? Mm-hmm. It seemed to have happened every ten years, but in the early two thousands, uh, when I was in college, there was an explosion of like Caribbean music again, right? Like um, Petra. Well, no, this was, Patrick was in the 90s. This was like in, in... Oh, this is later. Okay. Yeah, in the 2000s when Sean Paul came out. Oh, yeah. Wa- Wayne Wonder, um, Elephant Man. Um, oh, yeah. You had um, this guy, Rupee from Barbados, had a song called Tempted to Touch. Uh, oh, I like that song. I didn't know. Wait, hold on. I got. I have to say that. I know that song, too. Yeah, and, and, and uh, uh, Kevin Little from St. Vincent had Turn Me On. So all these songs were on, like, MTV and BET, and I remember my cousin and I lived in the same house, and I would call, I'd be, hey, yo, yo, the video's on the video, because of course there's no YouTube, you couldn't get video on demand, so when the video came on, you know, you'd call the next person if they hadn't seen it, and I remember um, our third roommate <laughs> was from here in, the, here in the States, and he'd say, man, y'all act like how black folks used to act back in the day when the black person was on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, because it was just so much pride to see representation like that. We're like, oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It wasn't like a a common thing. <laughs> yeah. It was It was definitely cool to see. Oh, my goodness. So you describe your sound as rhythm and pop and not R&B. Yeah. So. Because. Uh, go ahead. Because of my. Because of the. The tonality of my voice and, you know, the way I sound, I have a very pop sound. It's just, it's natural. I don't have to do anything to make it pop, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just what it is. So, yeah, but I feel like I'm both. I'm on both sides of it, so. And your your beat selection is, first of all, off the chain. But you. Oh, thank you. You have, like, elements of dance and dubstep and, like, garage from the UK in there. Like you were onto this stuff way before other people. Like how 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 did you get in tune to that stuff? Is it you know, were you just, just buying records in the record store randomly and say, Hey, I wonder what this sounds like? 
that was it was it was a collaborative effort. It was me and Charles. We were experimenting with a lot of different things. And I know that a lot of people were doing bass music, but when I sing on a bass song, I sound different than the average person because of my tone of my voice, you know, so that also makes it feel different. And mm. I don't know. It was just, you know how stuff just happens and you just keep playing and you're like, okay, this is it. And truthfully, I liked the song when I finished, but I had no clue where it would take me. Mm. I didn't know that. Interesting, interesting. I didn't know I was onto something new. I, I didn't have that flex capacitor moment in Back to the Future, like, this is it, the flex capacitor. I didn't have that. It was just, <laughs> this is a moment. We like this. Let's let's do more of it. With all the time that you've had in the game, it's safe to say that your rhythm and pop definitely works. Have you? Were you ever tempted to stray away from I Know Jay and go toward what was popular at the time? All the time. I still do. I still feel like that sometimes, you know, just because I like to to dabble into different things. But um, one of the things I've learned about myself, it's not necessarily to stay in your lane, but if you have a sweet spot, you milk it and you can go beyond that. But not to compare myself to what everybody else is doing, because that just that's not good creatively for me, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, the type of songs that you're doing, and it's interesting that you did covers of um, songs that were from before, and we're still listening to those songs today, but I have a feeling we're going to be listening to your songs 30 years from now, and, and our kids' kids' kids will be listening to these songs. So It's funny that you say that. Well, go ahead. I've heard this recently from a lot of people in the Philippines. Ah. Um, I, I, I headlined a show in the Philippines 2018, mm-hmm. and... Um, they told me, they were like, your songs are what we play at, like, birthday parties, bumpets, like, everybody in the family knows your songs, like, the grandparents know it, and the, the babies know it, it's like, timeless, you're just, yeah, and I was like, wow, that, I feel so blessed to be a part of the fabric of the community and the culture, so for you to say that, that really makes me feel good. The most definitely, so my, my, so my follow-up question to that is, you know, describe your writing style um, and, and, and also your writing process. Ooh. I, I, you know, I write every day. Mm. I, and I write multiple songs. They're not all supposed to come out. But sometimes the junky songs have to come out so the good stuff can come out. But the way that my writing process is, is sometimes I'm waking up in the middle of the night with melodies. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to record this. <laughs> And then try to decipher what happens. Usually the melody comes, and as I'm singing it, I just freestyle and I record it. And then some words will kind of peek out in there. I was like, oh, is that what you want to be about? And then I'll kind of go through that process. But I don't write with, like, a concept. I just kind of let it come out naturally. So, um, or another way that I like to write is, I said, the next word that I see, again, with the childhood thing, it's a game for me. <laughs> the next word I see is the word that I'm going to write the song with. And you accidentally played September Love right. earlier when uh-huh. you played the space bar. So I was sitting in in my studio and I had all these different movie posters. And there was a movie with Nicole Ari Parker. 
and it was called September something. And I looked down, and I was playing that game, and I looked up, and there was September. And that's why I wrote that song, September Love. And I was like, oh, what would a September love be? You know, something that goes beyond, like, that summer fling, something that lasts a little bit longer than that time. And that's what the song's about. So deep and so dope. That's also the engineer side of you, the problem solver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you get me. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I see you. I see you. <laughs> you see me. It's nice to be seen. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, oh, hold on. Let me see. Uh, oh, yeah. So you started with with obviously with bass music, but were you um, attracted to or, or did you were you a fan of house music before that? I love house music. Wait, how did you know that? Did I tell you that? No. Oh, I love house music. Oh, so I can hear the elements. Yo, in Baltimore, I I mean I knew house from Chicago, like Chicago house. My cousins in Chicago they did house. I knew about that, but when I got to Baltimore. My friends were like, you want to go to the club? And we went to the house club. Mm-hmm. It was Paradox. I mean, it was so, I just love house music. And I didn't know how much I did until I went to to school in Baltimore. And everything was house. Or as they say, Baltimore. <laughs> Baltimore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, like Miss Tony. I mean, all of it, oh, I just loved all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was great, and I love house, and I still do house. I'm actually collaborating with a house producer now. I just recorded two house songs, so um, I'm excited about that. I've never released anything house, so this will be my first time releasing house music. Interesting. Now, well, I, I, I I can um I can safely say this because I know I know the schedule of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this interview will be coming out after uh, the interview I'm going about to about to tell you about. So I was I I've interviewed, and you you guys can go back and and listen to the the interview because it would have come out by this time. Okay. I interviewed Crystal Waters, <laughs> an icon in the game. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome! Yes, and um, I she asked. There you go. Oh my god! Wait. Okay. So, so I asked her a question that I'm going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Did and I think you mentioned it earlier when you were speaking. How did you deal with people sort of suggesting that the music that you did wasn't black enough? Oh. <laughs> okay. So. First of all, I just want to shout out Kristen Waters. I did a couple shows with her, and I met her, and I totally fangirled out in front of her, and it was awesome. I just love her. I think she's dope. But as far as not being black enough, so there were two two different sides um, that I had to deal with. I had my fans, who were mostly Caucasian and Asian, and they never gave me that grief. I only got that when I was around more family. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll talk. I mean, listen to the way I talk. I mean, you're not going to hear me sounding like Gladys Knight. I don't have that type of tone. So this is who I am. I I can't change that. The the interesting thing is that while people may say, hey, you know... um, 
you know, X, Y, Z, this type of song isn't, um, you know, of the culture, yada, yada, yada. I mean, for years, Robin S., yourself, yes. Crystal Waters, C.C. Peniston, like, yes. How many more sisters have to do this for you to get that this is also inclusive lane. Of, exactly. of black this music? Come on. Yeah, music box. Say that. Snap. <laughs> this is also our lane. Why do we have to be put in these different boxes? We are so diverse in, in the color of our skin, the way we talk, our hair textures. We're just this beautiful ray of all of these different perspectives how come we can't do that in music a, a potpourri <laughs> a potpourri <laughs> we're in melange of a lot of different flavors dear so <laughs> yes it's it's like i felt that way more not so much with music all the time i did feel that way with music and a lot of times when i had to do uh different magazines I kind of worried about that then that question would come up but look I can only be who I am mm-hmm. and you don't want me to pose to be a poser you know you want some authenticity and this is authentically me so well one of the things even with the, even with the Planet 30 podcast I try to bring a variety of people from all spectrums I mean the, why box yourself in yeah exactly but if we, we don't have to no, we can. I'm, I'm, I'm excited and very proud to say that I had a top ten Billboard 100 hit. That I was like, and I was on the R&B charts too. In three countries: U.S., Canada, and New Zealand. Wow, I didn't know about the New Zealand one. That's so cool. <laughs> um, and and Love You Down probably would have been more successful than Time After Time, but they didn't release it as a single because they were trying to sell the compilation. So the single, the song might have been released in July, but I don't think they made a single until February of the next year. Mm-hmm. So I was like, dang it, we could have had more hits. When, when, the DJ, when the DJs used to pick the hits, you know? Yep, and you got to follow the DJs. The DJs, they have their ear to the streets. They know what's popping. Mm-hmm, yep. mm-hmm. Were you comfortable doing covers and... The, my second question to that is, um, <laughs> your first cover from Ready, Ready for the World, um, as a child, because of the structure of the music business, <laughs> I didn't know who they were, but I knew that one of my favorite songs in the world was Oh, Sheila. <laughs> I know. Oh, Sheila is still hitting. Good for the goose is always good, good for the for gander. Good for the gander. <laughs> oh, Sheila. Oh, oh, Sheila. Look, Ready for the World, they were like way ahead of their time too. But anybody from Minneapolis, they just, they really got it. I was like, they transformed the way that we listen to music. They did. Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, Prince, Ready for the World, Jesse Johnson, like all of them, just really dope. That, that, so, mix, of, that mix of soul and rock. Yes. Is such and a, that was so, not the black sound either, right? Right. Right, nope. we'll go the quote unquote blacks. It's such a right. it's such a wicked combination, but um, you you paid homage to them with your first album. It was called Ready for the World. I did that because I wanted to show my appreciation. Were you I able did. to 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 speak or meet with any of the members? No, but I did hear 
multiple times that Melvin Riley was very happy with me. <laughs> so I was like, well, good. I'm glad. And Cindy Lauper, too, both of them said that they liked what I did with their songs. So, I mean, that made me feel really good. When I did, like I said, when I did Love You Down, I didn't realize the potential of the song. I didn't know how it would manifest or, you know, be successful. I didn't understand that. So, Doing that cover, I was just so glad to do something. First of all, from a song that I couldn't listen to back in, when I was a little kid. I couldn't listen to Ready for the World. Right. I was glad. <laughs> I felt liberated <laughs> to love you down. Can't so, stop me now, mama. <laughs> exactly. I was like, she's grown. So <laughs> that part, I thought that was so cool. And then I had my own version of it. I, I just, I really liked it. And then Little Jones like, we, you want to do the um, compilation again? I was like, yeah. He's like, you should do another remake. What about Cindy Lauper? I was like, I love Cindy Lauper. Oh my god! And I was start naming all these songs, and he was like, what do you think about Time After Time? I was like, oh, I think that's perfect, and that's why we did Time After Time. So I was fine with those two covers. Now Anita Ward's cover, I loved Anita Ward, but I didn't want to do another cover because I'm a songwriter, right? And there was just a lot of pressure from the label. And I was I was acting like a brat with that one. I told my manager, I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Because people are only going to think that I can only do covers. Right. It was like a whole pigeonhole thing. So I remember going in the studio and just not doing my best because I didn't want them to like it. And then they loved it. I was like, damn. <laughs> They got me. I was like doing some crazy stuff on it. They're like, hey, we're doing a video. You're flying to LA. I was like, what? <laughs> that was not the I, plan. I, yeah, because I wrote this song called All I Want that was kind of really 90s and all that. Thought, and I, that was going to be the next single. And I was so excited about it. And then Ring My Bell kind of took the place of it. Because they, I guess they figured like three times a charm. Let's do another cover. And you know what's interesting about covers? They they sometimes uh, lead you to artists that you would not have known, maybe because you were too young, etc. Because I remember discovering the original Ring My Bell um, through the Fresh DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. What? In nineteen in their I think their 90, 1992 album. It was called Home Base, I believe. Yeah, Home Base. They had a song. And they sampled the uh, chorus in one of their choruses. Actually, the song was called Ring My Bell. <laughs> oh, I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. I, you know, I already put the other song in my Spotify queue, so I can listen to it. Oh, Tempted to Touch? <laughs> Tempted to Touch. I sure did. It's right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you have, oh, you said you, you, you never met Cindy Lauper, though. No, I didn't. Well, I had the opportunity to meet her. Um, when Time After Time was out, I got um, approached with a lot of opportunities to go on different tours. And Cindy Lauper and Cher were going on tour, and they wanted me to open for them. That would have been so awesome. Well, my my team thought that I should open for NSYNC because that was, you know... Demographic. Demographic, yeah. So it was good because everyone was on that tour. It was it was great, but I was like, dang, I wanted to meet Cindy Lauper, and I would have loved to meet Cher, too, yeah. you know? So so you did but, you did tour with NSYNC? Yeah, I did. Okay, who, who else have you toured with? 
Backstreet. So I toured Backstreet first. I only did a couple dates with them, and then I did the majority of the tour, the second leg of the NSYNC tour. Um, Everybody was on that tour. I I did a lot of shows with Alia. Okay. And um, Usher. Anybody in the 90s that you saw, like Wild Orchid was another group that I was on shows with a lot. And mm-hmm. that was the group Fergie was in mm-hmm. before she, she branched out. Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, exactly. Before she was in Black Eyed Peas. Um, in Vogue. I mean, look, if you anybody you think that was out during that time, I probably did a show with them. I have t-shirts. Like, Color Me Bad. I was so excited to do a show with Color Me Bad. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. It was great. Color Me Bad was the business in the 90s. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> Look, I was just like, my mouth was just, I was like trying to keep my composure. And my manager's like, you're an artist too. And my manager's from Jamaica, by the way. So, he would always say some crazy stuff to me. Plug it up, man. Plug it up. But um, <laughs> he was... um. He was just trying to get me to realize, you're an artist, too. You're a star, too. And I was just like, I love all these people. I love it. So, um, I can yeah. Would, you have to make them love you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so every time you talk, I, I, I can pick up on the island accent. I love it. I just, I'm so here for it. <laughs> Can't avoid it. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Well, like I told you, my sisters, you know, right. Heather's from Barbados, Sharon's from Jamaica. It seems like I was always surrounded by Caribbean people. There you go. And, and see, this that's why we love your music. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something. How much, how much creative freedom did you have in the beginning versus now? Oh, I had quite a bit of creative freedom with um, my album. Which I was actually surprised. There was only one song where they were like, you got to do this song. And I was like, okay. But everything else, they just kind of let me write. Because, you know, they had the covers and stuff like that. And they were going to put those on the, the CD too. So I was able to try to express myself quite a bit. And um, a lot of people say, like, we really like your, your CD or your album. And I was like, wow, I didn't really know it. a lot of people listen to it. But... I looked online, um, and one of my albums was selling. It, it, it's not like recently, like within the past five or ten years, it was selling for like a hundred, two hundred dollars, and they're like collector's items. Wow! And I was like, "What? Like, I can't afford to buy my own CD. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not spending a hundred dollars for her." <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that people they wanted that cd and they didn't get it they didn't release it in the states there was some craziness to happen it found i found out when i was on tour that my um cd wasn't being released in the states i was on a tour promoting the cd and then they pulled it and i i heard what happened but i never got it straight from the person's mouth so i i try not to spread rumors but whatever it was it was only released overseas so um a lady at my church she used to go to Japan all the time. So she said, um, do you want me to pick up some of your CDs? I saw them when I was in the store. And I was, she brought me like 10 of my CDs back from Japan so I could have a copy of my own CD because I didn't even have one. 
only had like all the you know the pre stuff and the demo, but nothing official. Wow, 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 wow! The music business. What can I say? Yeah, it is the business of music, indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, which? Tell me something, Adam J. Which, which artists from this generation would you consider collaborating with? Oh, I, you know, I love Janae Aiko. She's like, I love her, and I love her. Uh huh. <laughs> um, I can see that. I love. Well, I love Drake too. Actually, there's so many people that I love. Some of the people, I don't know all of their names, but I'm like, oh, I love that song. You know, I Shazam people all the time because I'm like, oh, I love that song. And before COVID, like, I used to hear a lot of music. Oh, Halsley, Halsey, too. I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. I think she's real dope. Um, I would hear them in the gym. The gym like, is the best place to hear new music. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I'm in the middle of doing some kind of rep, and I was like, oh, get my phone. I got Shazam that. <laughs> Because it's like, oh man, I love that song, and then I look up the artist and I start following them. Are you are you like me? People think you're crazy because when I Shazam, sometimes if we're in a restaurant, I'll put my hand up. <laughs> I sure do it. I, sh- I do it in Ross. I do it in TJ Maxx. Whatever store I'm in, if it's whatever's playing, Ross over here is like it, it's the only place that stays open late. Everything closes early now, so if I'm like, I gotta get out the house. That store is open. I'll go in there and I will be shazamming away. Just hold my hand in the air. I'll find a speaker. Right, exactly. And go right under the speaker and hold my hand up. And I'm only five, four and a half, five, five. So I get as high as I can. And then they'll say no result. And I'll I'll stand up on my tippy toes until I can get it. It's interesting (laughs) because from video, I thought you were really tall. What? Yes, yes, it worked. You know what? The cheat is, is because I have really long legs. Could be, yeah. So, yeah, my legs make me look taller. Yeah. Not, so, yeah, because in your music videos, you look, you look quite tall. I was like, okay. Yeah, oh, guys, thank you for saying that. Uh, uh, Thank so you for saying four. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I have a tall vibe. That's what I just heard you say. Tall vibe, Yes. Per- personality over over physical. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Who 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 would you say? Well, let's say who or what inspires you as an artist? Ooh. Okay. So you know that feeling I told you that I get in my chest and in my stomach. Right. If I get that feeling, oh my goodness! I'm I'm thinking of I can go through my like songs. Ooh, that's what keeps me listening to music. The feeling, it has to move me. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, 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 let's see, Boston, more than a feeling. Chuck Berry, her, Sean Mendez, James Arthur. I like him a lot, too. Louis Vega. Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, CeCe Pennison. These are all, this is all in my, like, um, DJ Fudge. So DJ Fudge just did a song with one of my good friends, and he did a remake of Love Times Love. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It's like a George Benson song from back in the day. I, I love it. It gives me those feels. I love that. Toto. Um, she said Toto. I love Toto. You, Remember I'll Be Over You? Yes. In Africa and Georgie Porgy. Like, oh, I yes. love that. And then Faithfully by Journey. I love Journey. I love Gary so much. And Lionel Richie. 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I swear I just, to God, we grew up next to each other or something. Man. We could have been best friends. We could have been best like friends, Olivia, man. Did you like Olivia Newton-John too? Let's get physical. Physical. <laughs> <laughs> I did a cover of um, "Hopelessly Devoted to You." I, I, never, I didn't release it, but uh, I, was, I, I was explaining to somebody, a younger artist I was talking to uh, back in Anguilla, and I was, you know, we were talking about the, you know, the progression of how going on, what, what going on the edge is now compared to what it was back then. And mm-hmm. apparently, and of course, this was before our time, but I remember reading that she did get a little bit of flack for that song. She did? Uh, yeah, from what, from one article I read. Um, it was some circle saw it as like a little too much. Let's get physical. physical. What? I was like, well, let's get physical. I was thinking to myself, well, wait till they hear WAP. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Look, WAP is gonna give you a whole nother vibe. <laughs> totally different vibe. But we just—I mean, music just gets bolder and bolder. It, you, you, know. you know what? It does and it doesn't because. When I see people online complain about WAP, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, you were you're probably you you person online complaining, you're probably 38 to 45, and I'm pretty sure in two th- the early 2000s you were listening to my neck, my back. Right, exactly. <laughs> but now that you have kids, you're more responsible. Ex- <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I mean, sexual healing. What was that about? I mean, it was in the song. There you go. There you he go. said, I'm hot just like an oven. I need some loving. Mm. <laughs> so I'm telling you, <laughs> people need to lighten up a little bit. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with sexuality and sensuality. You know, we should be celebrating it. And and they put parental advisory on CDs now, so you don't have to listen to it. You can get the clean version. So. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah. So you never conformed to some of the pressures of the quote unquote pressures of the industry. And you still kept a strong fan base. What do you attribute to the, your, your strength and ability to stick to what I know Jay wanted to do? You noticed, you noticed. Of course. That was like one of the things I was really, um, adamant about maintaining my integrity of who I am and not letting the industry change me. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a lot of flack for it um, from the different people at the label. My manager would say, like, they want you to do this and that. And I was like, that's not me. And I said, they're trying to create a monster. I don't want to be a monster. Mm-hmm. So I just had to, and, and some things I might have missed out on opportunities because I wasn't willing to do some of the things that they wanted me to do. But yeah. I was fine with that. I, I still have myself, and I, I still am confident in who I am, and I don't feel like I missed out on anything. What is divinely mine is going to be mine, so right, right, it right. will find me eventually. I mean, if I can get a record deal without trying to get one, then anything is possible. What's, so what's I kind of live in that space, you know? What's for you is for you. It is, and nobody can take that from me. And if it, if it, if it doesn't land in my lap, it wasn't mine, or maybe there's something better. So I'm and, wired differently in that. I I don't really have I don't aim to please in that way. And I think that I developed a lot of leadership courage when I had to tell my parents I was leaving school. So that kind of helped. <laughs> <laughs> 
But f- following on from that, um, again, your visuals were always and have always been very classy, like just really well shot. I mean, shout out to your directors as well and your cinematographers. Um, but just your image was always very classy and well put together. Tell, talk about the importance of controlling and protecting your image as an artist. Well, I didn't know what was involved in that process as a solo artist. You know, as a group, when I was signed before, we kind of were just kind of thrown in, like, this is what you guys are going to look like. And, you know, they kind of put us in something. But this time I I had input. And they were asking me who I am. I was like, I'm really kind of like a hippie, like an intelligent hippie. (laughs) I don't know how that's going to come across on the screen, but I didn't want to be showing a whole lot of different things. I want to inspire, you know, people of all ages. And I want people to be able to watch and listen to my music from all ages, too. So I really didn't sing about anything that was too suggestive. I mean, I kept it real. I had a song on my album called Freaky on the Phone. You know, Mm -hmm. people talk freaky on the phone. That's just real. But I didn't want it to be too out there where my little cousins that want to listen to me wouldn't be able to listen to my music. So Right, right, right. Now, I've grown a little bit in that regard. You know, I don't need to be the girl next door. I'm a grown a lady now, so I can, you know, branch out a little bit there. But I still kind of have my core set of beliefs and values, so. Right, no, but yeah, so, I mean, even even if you are branching out and being a little more sexual or sensual, mm-hmm. um, I, was, I was more speaking to the control. What I'm saying is that you, whether you did it or not, you call the shots. I, I, I call the shots with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, but you have to choose your battles. You know, you have to know which ones that are the ones that you really want. Like, there are some things I could have pushed back on before and then I wouldn't have got that, you know? So, like, with the music, me, like I told you, acting like a baby. But I was like, all right, since we gave them that, then they have to give me this, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, when I came to the label, it was just a, a solo project. I didn't get offered a full record deal until after time after time, you know, came out. So that was a totally different type of animal and type of interaction with the label. You know, they wanted to be a lot more involved when it was the album. and As opposed to just having a single, like, okay, well, it's just a single. But with the album, you're investing a lot more money, so... They want their money. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, th- I think they did a good job. I think we, we all did a good job of compromising, you know, and I don't feel like I acquiesced. You know, I feel like I had my voice heard. And like I said, my manager is from Jamaica, and he was he did a very good job. Me not acquiesce. He was my security guard. <laughs> What'd you say? Me not acquiesce. Exactly. Me not acquiesce, no. <laughs> Exactly. You you were saying something about your security guard? I was saying they thought he was my security guard. Oh! (laughs) He had really long locks at the time. Darren Hall, that's his name. So, um, yeah, when we would go out together, they were like, man, her manager is scary. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, please, he is not even scary. But he just looked like he was scary. So. So a lot of things can happen if you have a scary guy representing you, I guess. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which of your songs is your favorite? 
Current or back in the day? Well, overall, you you can you can categorize them back in the day and current. Let's see. Oh my gosh, I love all of them. How you you gonna ask which child is your favorite? Which child is your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> um, man, that's 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 hard. That's hard. I'm just going through my catalog in my brain. I like so for my first. Um, I liked I'd Rather Be Alone mm-hmm. um, because that came as a result of a bad breakup and that was a very empowering song for me because I realized that I would rather be alone than be in a, a type of semi-abusive relationship. So that song was very special to me and um, it was just like me getting my wings or at least getting out of the cocoon you know, so that I would say that was probably be my favorite for that reason. Um, I love for you, September Love. I, I really like September Love '90s remix. I like September Love, but I like September Love '90s remix because I pretty much freestyled that song in the studio. Wow. I just pressed record and I said, "Okay, what did I say in the in the regular version?" And then the melody just came together it just it just happened organically and it was beautiful and i just love it so i like when like the stars are aligned for the song because some songs come out like in one to three minutes and sometimes songs take 15 minutes it usually doesn't take me longer than 30 45 minutes tops to write a song because they just it just flows, but sometimes it's that quick one where you're just on the mic and you're just going. And September Love '90s Remix was like that, so I really love that. Wonderful. I mean, I know they're all your kids. I I like so yeah. I, I I really like September Love. I like um, Time After Time, of course. Yes. I'm a big fan of On. Oh, you heard On too? Of course, of course. Wow. Big oh fan my of gosh! On. Big- I forgot. I forgot that was out there. I had some songs like back in the day on MySpace, uh-huh. and I released MySpace. some music on MySpace. And um, a lot of people liked the songs, but there were some Inoj impersonators. Oh, and their their pages were up. I had so many people on the page and my music, and then MySpace deleted all of us. It was like they didn't find that was before verification came out. Right. They deleted my page. They deleted all of their all of our pages, and I lost everyone. And I was like, you know, forget the social media. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to rebuild my MySpace page. It took me so long to learn the code so I can make it cool and trick it out and stuff like that. But I never put those songs back up either. And, and I was thinking On was one of them, but I think I released On on Spotify. Yeah, no, On is on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My love for you. Um, so my ex, I released my ex. Did I release it this year or last year? I can't remember. This COVID has got me kind of twisted with the time. Yes, all but of us. My ex. So the song that I wrote... Um, that I'd rather be alone in, in the guy that was in that relationship and he treated me, ba- me badly. Of course, you know, like when you break up with somebody, sometimes they come back around and they try to open the door and, and stuff like that. Well, three, two and a half of my exes 
<laughs> show back up last year. And and just trying to weasel back in. Pre COVID. No, this was this was not during COVID. This was last year. No, that's what I said. Pre COVID. Oh, pre COVID, <laughs> yeah, pre COVID, exactly. And sending pictures and stuff like that. And I was like, mm mm. Did he say let me love you down? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them reached out to me on my fan page and I was like, that's a little sus, you know, <laughs> could be so, anybody. Yeah. But I'm just saying, so why are you reaching out now? You know? So that's what I wrote <laughs> the first verse. Like you instant message me on my social media where you stalking me on my Wikipedia. Like, <laughs> where did you come from? Like, you know, now all of a sudden you want to come back. You think I'm popping or something. So, yeah, that song, I just thought that was funny. I was just being funny. I think that's a great song. I like it. I'm getting ready to release a couple new songs. Um, one song that I wrote called Matter. Uh-huh. And um, it's, um, hmm. so I'm trying to think how I would explain it. It's it's very different from what I usually do. Usually do. And it's just like a total vibe. And it's just about people that sometimes we forget about letting them know how much they matter to us. You know, like I had you in my thoughts, like, you know, how you get that, that feeling to call somebody and you don't call them and then you don't necessarily get an opportunity to talk to them, you know, Hmm. and that type of feeling, like letting people know that they matter now. And I wrote this maybe about a year and a half ago, I think it was, so now with everything with BLM and so many different things mattering to people, I was like, it's, I should release it now. I think it's time just to keep that message going through like, we matter. We make a difference. Yeah. You make a difference in my life. If, if, if I don't tell you anything else, I'm telling you today, I'm giving you your flowers right now because I don't want to have an opportunity you know, like not being able to say that to somebody that I love and care about. Right, right, right. You know? Right, right. So, yeah, I so guess important. I'm a little more so important. <laughs> yeah, but I have um, some other stuff that I'm writing. And, you know, I'm still going to have some upbeat and dance stuff. Um, that song, the house, one of the house songs I'm doing is called Deep Inside. So okay. I really like that song. People will. People are going to totally misjudge it by the title. Um, but they can make the song whatever they want it to be about. But you'll hear it. And, um, I, I mean, I, I like I like the stuff that I'm doing. I'm having fun. And I'm not trying to make something sound like what's on the radio now. I'm just doing whatever I feel. And, um, yeah, so see this, where it goes. Is this going to be an album or an EP? Definitely an EP. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. Because, you know, so I've been just dropping singles. Like, I'll just do a single here and there. You know, just to say, like, hey, I'm still thinking about you guys. But I have a vault of music I'm that sure. I can release. But I'm too critical. <laughs> I can't <laughs> just let anything come out. Seriously. I mean, I'm like, oh, this is good for me. <laughs> but no one else is going to listen to it. But maybe I'll just release an album of all the stuff that you possibly would have never heard unless I died like Prince and then my sister brother released it without my permission. 
that type of album. Oh, wow. Wow. So are you working with different producers? Are you still with, uh, working with Charles? Uh, uh, Are you producing your own stuff or? Yeah, I do. I do, um, my own vocal production and well, I'm married now and my husband's a producer. So, um, I work with him, Charles and I were kind of writing some stuff together, but I don't know if we have anything worth releasing either, but DJ freeze, he's another producer I work with. And then Edwin, he's an EDM producer and this kid is pretty dope. So I had an original version of matter and then he did an EDM mix of it. It's pretty dope. I really like it. Nice. What advice do you have for aspiring artists, especially um, speak to being an independent artist nowadays? Oh, boy. Use your money wisely. Okay? Because what I realize about this industry, it's, it's very different from the industry of before. As an independent artist, like the machine of the music industry, people are dropping songs like two every two weeks. Back in the day, we used to drop songs like every three months or something. That song would just ride out the whole summer and then the second single would come at the end of the summer. You wouldn't have to come back with music back to back, but everyone's attention span is very short. So you want to make sure that you're maximizing your dollars, you know, use your friends to create a video with you. If you need to have a video presence, don't drop thousands of dollars on a video or I should say tens of thousands of dollars on a video. If you don't have that to follow up with another video, you might have to start small and then build up. I know somebody that just dropped a lot of money on a video and, and it just really didn't make the impact of what she wanted to happen. So I would just say, use your money wisely. Um, the second thing I would say is it's really, you got to keep blinders on in this industry in order for you to get out of your, to get your creativity out. Because if you start looking at what people are doing to the right or the left, I mean, you're not, you're going to be stuck because you're always going to be comparing yourself, trying to do better than the last person or here's the, here's the, here, let's tie it up with this. Don't be attached to the outcome of anything. Just release the music, create it and let it go. And don't be attached to the outcome. And it'll be good. Because when you are attached to the outcome, you feel like a failure, you may not get back up. But if you kind of just let the music take on a life of its own, the possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. Well said. Tell me, what lesson have you learned during COVID? Oh, like a couple of different things. Um Let's see. I'm trying to think which lesson. I'm definitely um, a student again. (laughs) I decided to learn something new. Um, So I told you I have two passions and um, I don't really share this all the time, but I am uh, a homeopath. I studied homeopathic medicine. (laughs) Okay. I'm a Reiki master. Um, so I used all of this time to educate myself on different healing modalities because I'm very into health and wellness and, and using my words to speak life into situations and stuff like that. So that's just kind of how I operate it. And I used this time as like, um, my cocoon time to Mm -hmm. do some more self-improvement stuff. So 
when I when I people see me after COVID, I look better than when I went in. <laughs> wow! 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 <laughs> So I know, Jay, when you are 105 years old and you're sitting on your great big porch in the South, in your rocking chair, what is that thing that you'd like to say, I wanted to accomplish it and I have accomplished it? What is your ultimate goal? Ooh, my ultimate goal. So let me tell you this. I don't know if you know this, but... My grandmother, my well, two of my great-grandmothers, one of them lived to be 112, one of them 108. Wow. They, people live a long time in my family, so that is something that I think about all the time, which is why I take very good care of my body. So one of the things that I want to accomplish, when, what it, one of the things I want to leave as a legacy is that I was able to um, help people transform the way they see themselves, the way they think about themselves, you know. I'm really big into self-love, not just self-care, but actually seeing yourself and loving yourself and appreciating yourself. And I really want people to get that, especially people of color. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I really want to make an impact that way. And I'm hoping that I'll be able to do that with music, if not with with my businesses that I'm creating now, you know, just to heal. You know, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Now here I'll is still be, I'll still be working at 105. By the way, though, I, I don't. I do not doubt it. I, <laughs> I, I, I do not doubt that. So this is a segment I call "The Planet Is Yours." I strap on my spacesuit and I jump out into outer space, and I leave you on the planet all alone to say to the audience whatever it is you want to say to the audience. Okay, wait. Say that again. Wait, I'm on the planet alone. Yes, you're on Planet 30 alone. So the, 30. so the floor is yours. Whatever you want to say to oh the audience, go ahead. I want to say thank you so much, first of all, for creating this platform and for sharing it with me. I feel so honored to, that you would want to interview me. And I'm grateful that people have been supporting me and my music. And I keep getting new fans. I feel very blessed and I'm very, very grateful. And um, I'm actually humbled by it. So thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. This is, I, I can't tell you how, how grateful I am. But I was like, whoa, she said yes. Thank you for sharing the, how you connected with me. That story really means a lot to me. I mean, that's one of the things that I'm going to carry with me through the life. Like, you get nuggets. You pick up nuggets of different things along the way. That's one of those things. I'm like, wow. Oh, yes. Oh, actually, we actually didn't say it on the podcast. So, uh, for those that... If you've made it to this uh, portion of the podcast, which I hope you have, <laughs> um, how I how I discovered I Know Jay's music, she did a cover of Time After Time, as we discussed, and I was a college student, and, well, kids, back in the day, was there was this thing called Napster, <laughs> and with Napster, you could, it was, it was the first incarnation of sharing from each other's computers. And I was looking for Cindy Lauper's Time After Time. And you couldn't preview the music because the internet was so slow. So you had to wait until the sound down the song downloaded. The song downloaded, and I heard this wonderful song, but it wasn't Cindy Lauper's version. And I said, Oh, I love this. And so I discovered I know Jay. 
And I've been a fan ever since, and I've been following her career in music ever since. And through the magic of the internet, I was finally able to contact her, and voila, here we are. Voila. (laughs) (laughs) So the most important question, tell everybody how they can contact you, how they can follow you. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. So you can contact me through my social media. All of my platforms have the same name, I Know Jay Official. Um, I did have... I know Jay music, but I changed that on Twitter. So everything should say I know Jay official YouTube. I'm, I put a couple of different videos and stuff like that. Like when I was on Regis and Kathy Lee and other, and I'm trying to find other old videos. I think I put when I was on MTV on my YouTube page, but I'm going to try to put more content up there and to connect with the fans because um, it's nice to do that. So yeah, they can contact me on I Know Jay Official. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I Know Jay, Yanni. Yes, <laughs> Thank you so much. It was an. It has been an absolute pleasure. The pleasure has been mine as well. Thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet Thirty. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at On Planet Thirty. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet30. Our email address is onplanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30.